So we are ready to move into the long-awaited and promised limit setting section. This is going to be so helpful for your discipline approach. This is going to be so helpful for you using an effective tool for corrective behavior issues at home and your children will begin to develop self-control and self-responsibility as a result. So I'm excited to get into limit setting with you. So on this first page, you will see the same example they gave last week. So the basic limit setting process is three steps and we're going to talk a lot about that on the next pages as well, but here's the recap. So you start by saying the child's name, you move into the acknowledgement of the feeling. So I know that you'd like to shoot the gun at me, or I know you think it's fun to shoot that, or I know you're shooting me because I'm the bad guy. Whatever it is the child's expressing, their desires, their needs, their thoughts, their feelings, whatever it is that they're communicating, you acknowledge it. Then you set the limit, but I'm not for shooting. It's calm, it's neutral, it's just a basic limit. And then finally you give an alternative. So you can choose to shoot at that and you point at something else. So there's the simple process and then we're gonna start diving in and teasing it apart a little more. So flip two sheets to where you see limit setting ACT. So here is your framework. It's very easy, it spells ACT, easy to remember, ACT, you'll be quizzed on that as we go, so keep those letters in mind and for that acronym. You're going to acknowledge the feeling, you reflect whatever it is they're communicating, you communicate the limit, set it neutrally, target the alternative, offer an option that is acceptable to you and the child. So we'll talk through the why, then we'll talk through when, then we'll talk through some examples. So here is a three-step method. Here's where you'll actually see it in practice. So in this scenario, you're actually in a play session and your child has been pretending that the bot bag is a bad guy. Bot bag, Bobo, they kind of have different names, but the thing that you punch and it goes down and then it comes right back up, filled with air, you know, you can never knock it over, it just always comes back for more. So that's what a bot bag is. He's been pretending that the bot bag is a bad guy, shooting him with the dart gun. So the play has been, you're the bad guy and I'm shooting you, because bad guys get shot. That's a normal play theme, right? He looks over at you, aims the dart gun at you, laughs and says, now you're one of the bad guys too. Okay, so there are a lot of perspectives on that scenario. Because when I do this and I get feedback from parents a lot, their gut takes them in different directions. So I wanna point out a couple of things. It is not that all of a sudden the child wants to shoot at you. Because often parents will say, well, I would just set a limit right away because they're not going to shoot a dark gun at me. But the child wasn't wanting to shoot at you. The child was wanting to shoot at bad guys. And he switched from the bot bag being a bad guy to you being a bad guy. So all of a sudden, there's a whole different perspective and awareness on what the child is doing when you realize, oh, if I'm a bad guy and he's been shooting at the bad guys, that makes sense rather than he's trying to be aggressive toward me because that's not at all what this scenario describes. So knowing that, I wanted to set that awareness first, we'll look at the ACT process. So A, you acknowledge the feeling. You want to make sure your voice conveys empathy and understanding. Remember we talked about that. Your tone of voice and your facial expression need to match. That's very important. So 
child's name. In this scenario, it was Billy. So, Billy, I know that you think it would be fun to shoot me too. Now, obviously, if he's having fun shooting bad guys, that's an appropriate reflection of feeling. I personally, in that scenario, would say, I know you want to shoot at the bad guys. Because that's actually what he's saying. You're one of the bad guys too. I've been shooting bad guys. So, Billy, I know you want to shoot at the bad guys. Either one is appropriate there. You want the child to learn that his feelings, desires, needs, wishes, all of those things are valid and acceptable because that is crucial to limit setting in the play therapy method. All feelings, desires, wishes, and needs are valid and acceptable. All the time, always, evermore, all of those things are always valid and acceptable. Sometimes behavior is not though. We can always validate and acknowledge and reflect the needs, feelings, desires, and wishes of children. Sometimes we have to set a limit on behavior, but those are two completely separate things. So I know you think it would be fun to shoot me. I know you want to shoot at the bad guys and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with you wanting to do that. The limit is about shooting me. So you, oh, sorry, I skipped one sentence there. That's important. It's important for you to realize that just reflecting feelings will often diffuse the intensity of the feeling or the need. Just hearing that someone gets and understands and validates will usually reduce the intensity, reduce the severity. So that's just a helpful tip moving forward. Whenever you're interacting with anybody, if you can validate their feelings, it will diffuse whatever the intensity is. So once you say, I know that you want to do this and there is nothing wrong with that, then you set the neutral limit. Communicate the limit, specific, clear, and brief. Brevity is your friend when you're setting a limit. Because if you go on and on and on and on and on with your limit, they lose what the limit is. So very clear, very brief, very specific. I'm not for shooting. People aren't for shooting. I'm not for shooting with darts. However you want to communicate it, brief, clear, to the point, specific. So I know that you want to shoot at the bad guys, but I'm not for shooting. Then you target the alternative. You offer something that allows for the original expression, but that is acceptable. So in this scenario, you can pretend that the doll is a bad guy and shoot at it. You can continue to shoot the bot bag. You can whatever would allow for him to shoot at the bad guys. You offer that as an alternative. Your goal is to provide an acceptable outlet for expressing the original need. And while allowing for the outlet, you're also giving them an opportunity to practice and exercise self-control, which is what we want. We want our children to be able to self-regulate and self-control. So sometimes pointing is a helpful piece of that. So when you offer something else, you can say you can choose to shoot at that. You can choose to do that and you point so that it gets their attention on what the alternative is. So practically speaking, there's an example of how you would use ACT. So acknowledge the feeling, communicate the limit, target the alternative. There's your three-step process. So when do we set limits? Now, I just told you the rule of thumb is limits are not needed until they're needed. So 
how do I know when a limit is needed? I'm in the play session and I'm not sure whether I should set a limit or not. There are four reasons why you would set a limit. The first is you have to protect the child from hurting himself or you. So if there's any concern over you or him or her getting hurt, that requires a limit. Secondly, to prevent, pr protect valuable property. You don't want something to get broken, you don't want something to get ruined, you don't want your TV to get smashed, whatever the scenario is. Third, to maintain your acceptance of your child. That's a really important one. You have to be able to fully and unconditionally accept your child for these sessions to work. So if you can't accept your child because of what's going on, that requires a limit. And to provide consistency in the play session, that is specifically for limiting the child and the toys to the play area and ending on time. So that's really more of a practical thing, like we're only gonna play for 30 minutes and it's only gonna be with these toys in this area. The other three are just kind of universal rules. You have to be safe, I have to be safe, the toys can't be broken on purpose, and I need to be able to accept you. So there are the only reasons why you will set limits. And when kids are in my playroom, this is actually a very interesting awareness that I realized over the course of time. Depending on what the child's behavior has been, kids believe the rules are completely different than other kids. Let me explain what I mean. So I, I had one child tell his mom, do you know there's only one rule in Miss Brenna's playroom? That if I climb all the way to the top of the shelf, I have to sit on my bottom. So mom comes back later and tells me, yeah, he told me there's only one rule. And I said, oh, I wonder what he thinks the rule is. And she says that if he climbs to the top of the shelf, he has to sit down. Now, this is a child that would literally scale my shelves and he would get up to the top and then he would try to stand up. Well, it's a six foot shelf. So I would always say, okay, if you choose to climb up there, you choose to stay seated so that you can be safe. That was a safety limit. So therefore it was set. He needed to be safe. Now, another child told his mom that the only rule in Miss Brenna's playroom is that he can't break the containers. So my sand room, I have plastic bowls, trays, containers that hold all the little things like rocks, gems, whatever. And he purposely started smashing them, stepping on them and smashing them one day. And I said, oh, I know that you really wanna crush those, but the toys aren't for breaking on purpose. So in his mind, the only rule was he couldn't break things. Notice that was to protect property. So I've never said to a child, the rules are you have to be safe, I have to be safe, and the toys can't be broken on purpose. But those are the three rules that indicate when I set limits. If he's not safe, if I'm not safe, or if the toys are getting broken, you're going to hear a limit come out of my mouth. But they don't know that. So their perspective is only that there's one rule because I've only ever set one limit. So that needs to be true for your work with your child in those special 30 minute play times, that you will set limits when they're necessary and needed and not before. So here, is a helpful checklist of questions to know whether or not you need to set a limit. The first is, is this limit necessary? We are very quick to set limits on behavior without thinking through the necessity of it. In other words, something will happen and we'll go, you're not allowed to do that. And then if we would have given ourselves another 30 seconds to process 
what they're actually doing or whether it's actually dangerous or whether or not it's actually a big deal, we might often change our mind and say, no, I really didn't need to set that limit. So think through, is this limit necessary? That's very helpful for question number one. Number two, can I consistently enforce this limit? In other words, if I set this and say, okay, the couch is not for climbing on in our play session. Can I enforce that every single play session for the rest of the time that I do these 30 minute play times? So you want to make sure it can be consistently enforced. And three, if I do not set a limit on this behavior, can I consistently allow it and still accept my child? If I allow myself to be tied up with the jump rope, almost like bound and gagged style where I can't move and I just have to sit there for, until my child releases me. If I allow it this time, am I going to be able to consistently allow this and still accept my child? Because if I start to feel really resentful, really hurt, really angry, really anxious, really anything as a result of allowing myself to be tied up with a rope, if I can't continue to accept my child, then that's something that needed a limit. So three very helpful questions. It will kind of guide you into when you will set a limit because remember the reasons why you set them are different than the questions you ask yourself. So I have to be safe. You have to be safe. The toys can't be broken and I need to be able to accept you. But then is this necessary? Can I consistently enforce it? And if I don't, can I still accept you? So that's a really good concept of how to work through setting limits or not. Please be aware that your play session should be in an area of your house where you don't have to worry about setting a whole bunch of limits. In other words, you want your child to have a greater expression of freedom than normal in these play times. They need to be able to be more aggressive. They need to be able to be more wild. They need to be able to be more free. They need to be able to explore more things than normal. So a room with a china cabinet, with glass figures, with a TV, with anything that is important to you and that can be broken and that's fragile, that's really not the best place for these playtimes. So the fewer the limits, the easier it is for you to be consistent. And that's the point. So make sure that you structure the environment for success and for freedom of expression for your child. Make sure that you do go into it with a few limits ahead of time, such as, okay, if my child does this, I'm going to set a limit. If my child does this, I'm going to set a limit. One of those might be no hitting or shooting at you, no Play-Doh on the carpet, not purposely breaking toys. Be prepared mentally with some things you think might happen so that you've rehearsed the ACT process already, because in the moment, it's going to be much harder than if you've rehearsed it. And then here's the hint in the italics right there. It says children really do understand these playtimes are special and they do not expect the same level of permissiveness in other environments and throughout the rest of the week. Because a lot of times parents will say, well, if I let them shoot me with darts in the play session, they're going to think they can shoot me with darts all week long whenever they want. No, they won't. And if they try to, you set a limit on the behavior. So now you know the ACT process, you could just set a limit on that but they will not expect the same level of permissiveness in regular life that they do in the playroom. They do differentiate and understand the difference. So you don't need to be worried about that. So when we set limits, you want them to be firm, you want them to be calm, and you want them to be matter of fact, but they are not punitive. 
In other words, you don't sound like you're berating, you don't sound like you're angry, you don't sound like you're annoyed with them. It's just calm, matter-of-fact statement. You first obviously want to acknowledge their feeling because that helps them feel understood. Then you state, the Play-Doh is not for throwing, just as if you would state, the sky is blue. It's just a fact. There's, there's no emotion, there's no charge, it's just the Play-Doh is not for throwing. It remains completely calm and neutral, and you don't force your child to obey. That's an important piece of this. They need to develop opportunities and practice choosing, self-controlling, self-regulating, and accepting consequences. So you provide the acceptable alternative. It is up to them whether or not they choose to obey or not obey the limit. It's not your job to force it. It's their job to decide. So you will consistently enforce the limit, but you will not force them to obey it. So we'll practice in a moment, and I think that'll make a little bit more sense. Finally, the last part of this, why do we establish limits? We establish limits because they help kids feel safe and secure. The most important things to kids is safety and security. So they need to feel those things, and by giving them consistent limits, you create that environment for them. This method limits their behavior by teaching them self-control and self-responsibility. And as a natural byproduct of that, they also have to accept the consequences of their choices. So if they choose to break the limit, they also choose to accept the consequence that comes with that. So they learn that actions have consequences, and that's a very powerful lesson as well. They learn to practice self-control in the play session, and then that begins to extend to the real world. That's what I tell parents all the time when I actually work with their child in the playroom. Playrooms provide the practice for implementing healthy skills. They're going to practice self-control. They're going to practice obeying limits. They're going to practice regulating. They're going to practice expressing themselves so that it is easier to do in the real world. So you are creating a play session where they can practice the skills that they need. So at the bottom, your little flow chart there, consistent limits create predictable and stable environments which create a sense of security. So that is why this limit setting method is so effective and so helpful. So we have now gone through all of the basics of limit setting and in the next video we will do some practice together. See you then.